I know for some of you, this is uh, you're new or a visitor and uh, or just visiting. You're thinking, whew, you did it. Thank you for connecting others. We're glad you're here. We um, are excited, especially excited to have our uh, shorter, younger folks in the room. And uh, usually when we're all together, uh, we do something. We have a cooking show within a church service. And so we have to do it, right? Because we're all here together. So if you are a kid, I'd love for you to come up and have a front row seat for some cooking with Drew. Come on up, everybody. We are excited for some cooking with Drew. Do we have any cooking with Drew theme music? Not today. We can make up our own, I guess. You guys can come right, sit right in the front here. You can sit right on the stage in the front. Sit right close to the edge here. There you go. I got a few of you. Oh, you guys look nice. You guys look wonderful. All right. You're going to have to turn around. You're going to have to turn around. You're going to have to turn your backs to your families and look up this way. I'm going to need your help today because today on Cooking with Drew, we're going to take a field trip. Kind of like I used to go with Mr. Rogers. We'd go to like the Cran factory. Maybe you don't know what that is. But we are going to go to meet one of my good friends, a guy I love to death, who has his own show. Are you ready for this? Yeah. But I need you to help me. I don't know where he is, so we got to yell for him. His name is Aaron. Can you yell? I'm going to count to three, and we're going to yell for Aaron and see if Aaron will come, and we can go on his special show. You ready for this? Okay, one, two, three. Aaron! There he is! Let's give it up for Aaron! And friends, welcome. Yeah. Welcome for the first time. It's science with Aaron today. Oh, I cannot wait. Woo-hoo. Aaron, I can't wait for this. I've been waiting for weeks and weeks for this segment. Oh, my goodness. Do we need this table, too? We do need the table, Drew. Okay. I'll see if I can do this. Nice! Oh, this guy you seems love to be on science. Top of it. Do you need an assistant or anything? I probably will need a volunteer and an assistant here in a little bit. Okay. All right. I have some fun things, and I have a lot of hands wanting to ask questions, but we don't have time to answer all the questions. No, no I want to help you. You want to help me? That is perfect, Gideon. I was hoping I would have some helpers. All right. So, hey, kiddos. Who knows what we're celebrating today? Easter! Easter Bunny! And no, Easter not the Easter Bunny. Rock. That's right. I should have Gideon teaching. <laughs> Jesus died on That's a cross. A All right. So we're going to do a couple little tricks. Do you know what I like about science? Every single thing in this world and in this universe was made by God. And so when we look at science... We can see how, how beautiful he makes things. Made, earth was made from God. Everything was made from God. I know. I should give you the mic because you are so good at this. <laughs> Everything was made by God. And so when we look at science things, we learn a little bit more about God. And we can see some really cool things. So today's Easter. We're going to celebrate. I'm going to set my lab up. Ooh. And uh, I think we need some balloons for our celebration, okay? okay? Now, who likes balloons? Me. Who likes to party? Me. Me. Oh, 
Are you good at balloons? I could. You could. Oh, well, you know what? We're going to do some science to blow up a balloon. Do you? All right. You might need to plug your ears. Oh, no. You might need to close your eyes. No, you won't need to do those. Here we go. Whoa! What is that? I'm blowing up the balloon. He's giving away. I don't know. You want to touch it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, Timmy. Why don't you give the? I know this trick. Oh, oh! There we go. You know this trick. It's a cool one. All right. We've got one balloon. That's all we're going to do for now because I have another experiment that I really want to show you. And I am going to need a volunteer. And I think Gideon is the perfect one. He's right here. He's had so many good answers. Yeah. He does help so much. So I need my assistant to come and help me. So, Mom! 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 Is Aaron's mom here? Aaron's mom? Anywhere? Oh, you know what? She doesn't go here. Oh, she's not here. All right. Okay, Drew. I guess I could be. Can you help my lovely volunteer here? We need, we need to get our volunteer here all set up. Okay, why don't, you come over, why don't you come over here, bud? Safety. Okay. Well, we're going to have one helper today, okay? Just one. And I forgot Perfect. my apron, but I know that Drew always keeps one in his glove box in his car. So I got Mr. Zolke's apron on today. All right, we got a shirt on, we got gloves on. He's gonna need. What is this thing? Oh yeah, we got. He's this gonna thing. need. You ready? Yeah. You gotta be safe, bud. To be all covered up now. <laughs> we really don't want him to get hurt. I don't know how this works. We don't want him to lose an eyeball. <laughs> this seems dangerous. All right. Is this okay? Gideon, are you feeling ready? Yeah. Okay, you know what? His think, shoes look pretty nice. We better oh, get those in. in shoe covers. Okay, and Wait, you know what? Feet? These look like adult ones. I bet your feet are big enough. Maybe? And your, your ears are still young, and you hear lots of things. You bet you're a really good listener for your mom and dad. Yeah. But right now, we're going to put some earplugs in just to make sure, okay? okay? Foot, can I give you that we don't, want, we don't want to ruin those good listening ears. Okay. You look good? Yeah. Safe? You look safe? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> he can still hear me. Okay. All right. Stay All right. right here, though. To be safe. Yeah. Stay right you here. Need to stay right here. Can you hold and this And you're going to have to hold this, okay? Okay. There we go. Okay, don't, now, don't move, bud. Don't we're going to do an experiment, and we're going to tell a little story, okay? Oh, they come okay. out. Okay. That's okay. Right. Mr. Drew will help you out. We'll take them out. I've got these. Oh, waxy there. Oh, that'll be better. Maybe that's better. There you go. Okay. He is ready. Are you safe now? Are you safe? Yeah. All right. There so we're going to do a, an experiment. We're going to tell a little story. Perfect. And now I need to do some careful, careful measuring. I do need one more volunteer. Hmm. Right here. Okay. Can you measure right to that 
You see that right there? 12 measure right there. I need to be very precise. When you do science, you have to be very careful. Yep, right out of there, we're gonna get some water. Uh-oh, is it me? Maybe if I open that. There we go. You can get that all the way up to 12. And we're gonna tell a little story. Now, do you know that when God created us, like Gideon told us, he made us to be with him forever, right? He made us clean. All right, here we go. We're going to be super careful. And we're going to go like this. So God made us, and we were clean and pure. Look how lovely that looks. Doesn't that look lovely? Clean water. It does look lovely. Crystal clear. It's good. It's good water. I don't think I put the microphone in the water. It was close. All right. So God made us, and we were clear, and we were pure. And who remembers what happened? Someone who's not getting can tell me what happened in the garden. Let's go right over here. Timmy remembers. Well, oh, Jesus died. But that's not quite the part of the story I'm going for. Yeah, and the disciples betrayed him. But let's go way back to the Garden of Eden, right here. Gideon is quitting. Adam and Eve. Oh, are you done? Oh, okay. It's understandable. You can say it's you understandable. Can keep it on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> understandable. Bennett, do you want to do it? Yeah. You want to come here? Here. Okay. here. Okay, we'll switch out volunteers. All right. You, so you leave it on. We'll take it off. Adam and Eve ate the fruit that God had asked them okay. not to eat, right? All right. And you know what? When they did that, that right, made God really right sad. That was something here, okay? unclean that happened. Yeah. And it made their lives unclean, right? It made it dirty. Do not drink that, please. <laughs> I won't. So every time Adam and Eve did something that was wrong, oh, it's iodine, okay? But it, it made it less clean. Now, do you think maybe that, that's kind of my life? Sometimes I might tell a little lie or I might disobey my parents, and my life becomes unclean. Well, do you want to hold that for me? Perfect. You'll be on the cleanup crew. Now, maybe if I try to mix it up, will that make it better? No, it just makes it worse. It doesn't. Well, and then there was that time I I cheated on a test once. There's another time I... I can't get it clean, though. I want, maybe if I add a little more water, right? <laughs> no, that's not helping either. You know what? Oh, I'm sorry. So all those things that we do. All right. Now. Every time we sin, every time we do something that's wrong, it makes a mess in our lives. There's always consequences, right? There's always consequences. 
I did get your hand wet. I'm sorry, bud. You can have a prize of a balloon. All right. So every time we do those sins, those things that are wrong, it makes a mess. There's consequences and we're unclean. And there's no real way to clean this up now, is there? No, I, you can dump it out, but like that's your whole life right there. I'd rather not dump my whole life out. There is water in there, but we're just going to let that water be, okay? So, you know what's beautiful about Easter? What is this? A cross. Jesus came and he died on the cross, right? He died on the cross, and when he did that, he took all of our sins. Thank you, Lucy. And he and he forgives us. This That's right. He us. Well, he forgives us every day. This is the day where we celebrate that he forgives us, right? Yeah. And you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, he said that we can have him come into our lives. Now, if this is my messy life and I want to get clean, I can't do it on my own, can I? But let's see. Let's see. Now, if I have Jesus in my life, what do you think happens? What what do you think happens when Jesus comes in my life? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yes. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes I still goof up, right? I still do things that I shouldn't. Whoop. But right? Look at that. Because I have God in my life, I'm clean and I'm pure. Isn't that amazing? It's not a filter. It's science. (laughs) It is pretty cool, though. We can talk later about what it's made of. I can show you guys, okay? Okay. Now, that's an important thing for us to know. And did you know that each one of you, who's ever maybe done something they shouldn't? Yeah, I think we all have, right? You do a lot. Yeah. Me too. Can we confirm that? Yeah, okay. We got a confirmation on that. All right. But do you know what? We always can have forgiveness. What do you do? Oh, you're supposed to be holding my bin. It's leaking. Oh, well. All right. So we're just about done here. But if we have God in our lives, you know what? He always will forgive us. He'll always cleanse us. He'll always make us clear and clean and holy again so we can be with God. Um, Not right now, but I bet your mom or dad would love to do that balloon. And I probably should get you another one for your brother so there's not issues. Um, All right, so isn't that amazing that we can be cleaned like that? That is a cool experiment, isn't it? And it tells us a story about God's love for us. All right, now, I did have some lovely volunteers today. And I have some prizes. Oh. A little something. So, Bennett, you can have a balloon. And what else do I got? A pocket comb. Oh. And Gideon, why don't you come up here? I got you something here. You'll inevitably win one of these on your own, but let's get you started right now. Prom King 2020. And, Gideon, a party pig. Wow. You don't want a pocket comb? Oh. I don't need it. I'm going bald. 
Can you find a friend that would like it? Oh. Yeah. His brother, his brother would like it. All right. That was a fun experiment. Well, you got that, and then do you want? I'll give you some balloons, okay? Some packet of balloons. All right. Awesome. All right, guys, thanks so much for Can we coming. give a big round of applause to Mr. Aaron for his science today? Awesome. Thank you guys for coming up. You can head back to your families. Wonderful. Thanks, Mr. Aaron. Probably should move this. Should we do this together, maybe? All right. Let's go in here. This is good. All right. I've never had to worry about slipping up here before. <laughs> I guess I will today. Um, a reminder, too, we do have, hopefully you found clipboards, or if not, the clipboards are out. We might have run out today. There are uh, kind of Easter activity books in there, and there's a special page in there we put in this year uh, where you get to decorate Science with Aaron's cool lab coat. So I encourage you to hop in there and or maybe even, I think there's even a word bubble. You can add, you can make Aaron say whatever you'd like, uh, which would be lots of fun. Thanks, Aaron. That was very fun. Um, I, uh, I love to be around people. Um, I second Natty's uh, moments after service and we're all hanging out. Is, is probably one of my favorite moments of the week when it's just chaos, people running around and people laughing and getting to know each other and seeing new relationships connect I love that. I have lots of people who I love um, to be around. And I also have had moments in my life um, where, like, with a person, uh, that kind of moment where you, where you might say a phrase like, that ch- like changed my life forever, or uh, that person changes who I am. Uh, one of those moments where you're like, I'll never be the same from that moment. And I had a moment that I was sure was going to be this um, when I was in college. When I was in college, I had a season of my life where um, I went like everywhere to see the Counting Crows. Anyone Counting Crows fans in the room? Uh, I don't think I've listened to them lately because I like listened too much for a season of my life. But uh, a couple of friends and I really liked that band. And so we would see them anytime they were within a few hours of Milwaukee when we were in college and we'd see them when they were there. And I had a moment where we saw them in a small venue um, it was cold out and it was a small venue. Uh, and they said, if anyone wants to hang out afterwards, uh, the, the show started really late. There was like some delay. And they said, hey, we're really sorry we started late. Anyone who wants to afterwards can come out and hang out with us by our bus. And I thought, this is my chance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like hang out with the Counting Crows, with all of them are gonna be there. And I bet we're gonna chat. And I'm gonna tell them about like my favorite songs. And then we'll probably like exchange numbers and maybe they'll even invite me on the bus to hang out. And uh, I started daydreaming about all that would happen when I finally met like musical heroes. I couldn't wait to ask them about like what kind of guitars they had and all these things. And so I stood out for a long, long time with a group of friends. And as we stood there, um, it started to get darker. Um, But we were still there. We were next to their bus, which is right outside the venue, out on the road. Uh, and friends kind of started peeling off. They're like, eh, I gotta, I'd rather go home <laughs> and wait to meet them. And by the end, there was only a few of us left. I don't know if that was maybe their strategy to <laughs> just wait, wait it out. Um, and so I was standing by the bus, 
And I remember seeing them come out of the door, of the back door of the venue, and they were walking towards me and having the feeling like, my life will never be the same again. Uh, I mean, this could even be the beginning of like my touring. Like maybe they're going to ask me to open for them or (laughs) hang out with them. You know how you think about this. And uh, they walked up to me and they, uh, they, they all started kind of walking by and I was like, hi, it's so cool to meet you. Uh, and they seemed to have uh, no recollection that earlier they had invited us to hang out with them. Uh, they're like, cool, okay. Uh, they knock on the, on the door and they open the bus door and they go in and uh, finally like, the lead singer comes last. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like talk to him and I'm going to hug him maybe. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And as he got close, I could begin to like smell him. Uh, it smelled like uh, the things that he had been partaking in, I think, backstage. And I went like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. And then as he got close, his face wasn't as happy to see me as I thought it was going to be. And then he came close, and I went for a hug, which I've been known in my life to uh, not know when to ask for a hug or not read the room right. And I was like, hey, it was such a good show. And he said, what are you doing? And then he walked by me walked into the, the bus, they closed the door, and they left. And so I met one of my heroes, and he talked to me. He said, what are you doing? I almost hugged him. I think I smelled a little bit like him, actually, on my way home. It was that pungent. Uh, I remember, though, being pretty bummed, and it actually like, affected even me listening to them. Uh, it was one of the last times I saw them in concert, actually, uh, they kind of lost some of the excitement of going to the show and reading about them and, and buying, like, buying like live CDs that some guy recorded at the show and like, all this excitement I had. It, there was something about meeting them in that way. I'm sure they're, they're probably nice people, but I'm sure it was a late night and they're like, I don't want to hang out this random. Uh, I didn't have a beard then. That was probably part of it. It didn't look as cool as I do now. Um, I really, I remember it though hitting me, like driving home and I was like, huh. And usually driving home, I'm listening to a bunch of other tracks. I'm remembering all the moments. I'm thinking like, huh, that wasn't the life-changing moment I thought it was going to be. I have had moments in my life, people in my life, those moments that feel like this, meeting this person or experiencing this moment did, has changed me. I asked some friends this week, moments that they've had like that, things like marriage, having kids, like that, that had never, that, that'll change me forever. Getting a pet, maybe starting a new school, that's a moment you remember like, wow, things were different after that. I remember hearing this in interviews after the national championship this last week in basketball, interviewing them say like, oh, this will never, my life will never be the same after this moment of playing in this championship game. Traveling, many people mentioned as I asked, traveling to different locations and seeing beautiful things, whether they're in the mountains or an ocean. The first time you're on a beach and you see the ocean and there's nothing on the other side, it just goes and goes and goes, or you're in the mountains and you see how enormous they are. Trip to Disney was mentioned. Someone said I had a near-death experience where I, I thought it might be the end. I'll never forget that day. I think about it all the time. Meeting a hero, maybe meeting someone you think is a hero to you, an injury, Someone said, the day I realized I wasn't going to be the person I thought I'd be as a kid. It's kind of a very real answer, a little bit of a downer. <laughs> the day they went, I'm not going to be, you know, an astronaut. And our family, our, our adoption story is one that has changed us forever and forever we think about each day. 
no matter how big or small, no matter how painful, joyful, those things change us, right? There's moments that we meet something or something, uh, someone or something. And so today we have a day where uh, we celebrate uh, all the time at Hope, the resurrection. And today, uh, every year we stop when we remember Jesus' death and his resurrection. And this is the thing that, that, we're, that we're told really does change us. And today I wanna remember why meeting Jesus changes us. And what resurrection mean? It doesn't just mean like, that's cool. A guy like rose from the dead, but what does that really mean? And so we're gonna look at some people today. I want you to meet some people who have met Jesus and maybe think of a few ways that the resurrection actually changes us. A few things that we actually get to encounter when we meet Jesus. Um, and hopefully remember why Easter is just so, so sweet. And we read the story when we came in this, this morning of uh, the, the Marys who went to see Jesus' body and they encountered an angel who opens up the grave to show them he's not there. There's an empty grave. Somehow he's out of that tomb that was closed by a stone that was guarded by soldiers. And then they turn to go tell the disciples and they actually meet Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. I have to wonder, that story is very similar to a story as they see the empty tomb, as they encounter Jesus, as a thing that happened to those disciples just a, a week before. This is one of my favorite stories that I love, love to talk about. The story in John 11, where they were standing with their friend Lazarus, who was dead in his tomb. And they were weeping, and Jesus comes to comfort them and talk to them. And he says something really interesting. Now, this is just like a week before. He comes to his friend's grave, weeps with them, and says, This is terrible that he's died, but I want you to know something very important. Mary says to him, Martha does, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. She said, I know he will rise again. In the resurrection at the last days, she's thinking, yeah, yeah, someday, right? Way down the line, we'll all like come back or however that works. And Jesus says to her, announces to her in that moment, he says, I am the resurrection though. You're standing with resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He says, it's not a far off thing. It's actually a person. It's me. I'm the one who brings life and actually life forever. I'm the one when you encounter me, changes your life, actually gives you life. And you can call me resurrection. I love he names himself resurrection. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you're the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. I don't know if she fully understands what she's saying. I don't know if anyone fully understood what was going on. But Jesus that day announces, I am the resurrection. And then a week later, he is the resurrection himself, a person that we encounter that changes us because of this power of this resurrection. D.A. Carson says, if you're, if you're not suffering from anything, you're not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix. I really like this. This is something I think of. I don't think he's saying, hey, you're having a rough day and your friend should say like, well, don't forget the resurrection. You know, you're fine. <laughs> I think he's saying resurrection changes everything. 
There's nothing that we suffer from the resurrection does not affect. There's nothing that we suffer from, that we deal with, that we encounter, that encountering Jesus doesn't change. And so today we're gonna look at what it looks like, just for a little bit here, what it looks like and some people who have encountered the resurrection. So today, what does it look like to meet the one we call resurrection? A lot of people met Jesus, the resurrection, even after he resurrected. This is one of the really cool things. One of the things for me that was really important to my faith is understanding, uh, Paul says this, uh, that Jesus actually went and met lots of people after he resurrected. It wasn't just a few people said, hey, I heard that this happened, but actually said, no, I actually met the person who resurrected, who had that power, the innocent man who was killed and was raised from the dead, God himself. This is really cool. And he wasn't just, he didn't just meet like a certain group of people. He didn't just say, I'm just gonna hang out with the disciples who really liked me. I'm just gonna hang out with these certain people in the city. Or like, I really like people who kind of live outside the city. He is it's really incredible. In this time he had after he resurrected, before he went, uh, ascended to heaven, he met with people all over. He met with people in Judea, in Galilee. He met with people in towns, in the countryside. He met with people indoors and outdoors, in the morning and the evening. He met with people that he'd already said, hey, let's meet up. And he, he uh, spontaneously met with lots of people. See that list? Yeah, he loved to just, pop in places. I'm alive. <laughs> he met with people very close. He met with people. It is a big crowd from a distance. He met on a hill. He met on a lake. It's like a Dr. Seuss book now. He met with groups of men and groups of women. He met with individual people. He met with 5,000 people, 500 people. He met sitting, standing, walking, eating. And most of the time he was talking with people. Why is this important? It's important because Jesus walked into all parts of life, all different kinds of people, as the risen, resurrected God into their lives and met with them and these people were changed. And Paul even says, you can go meet the people. Many of them haven't died yet. Go meet, could you imagine meeting a person who said, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, after he resurrected, he actually came to our town and walked by and we sat and talked. We get that same opportunity. Easter tells us we have the opportunity to meet the resurrection. And why does that matter? Um, I'd like to share a few, a few here quickly, uh, people and ways that that matters. As Jesus met with many people, let's zoom into a few of the people he met. Uh, and even consider in your own life, what does it look like to meet the resurrection? One who has overcome death and, and given and offered that to you. Uh, first, when we meet resurrection, we meet rest. Not necessarily the first one that um, I used to think of, but more and more in my life, I consider how important uh, rest is. We're going to look at a person that Jesus met named Athanasius, one of my, my faves I like to mention. Um, Athanasius was a North African theologian who fought hard for the divinity of Christ. And he says this, he says many things about resurrection, but he said, at, at resurrection, now if you remember in the passage, it says it happened uh, right after Sabbath. He says that's important because we're being reminded that the old Sabbath was like a candle lit in the night before the rising and appearing of the sun. He's saying, you thought the old Sabbath, which was just a, an opportunity for people to stop and rest, remember that God's got everything under control, believe and also act on that. Say, no, I, I'm just gonna, I'm not doing anything today knowing that God actually has this. And in the same way, bearing that image of God who created all things and then took rest from his work. And Athanasius saying, that's, the resurrection changed everything because we had this candle in a dark room that was the Sabbath and now we have 
something like the sun rising compared to a candle, Jesus is this great, great Sabbath for us. This rest from work from us. This rest from from, uh, pursuing the work to make all things right, to bring all things together, to bring true peace and joy to ourselves. Jesus has done that work. And so now he rises and brings light into our lives. We hear in Hebrews uh, the same idea. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. In Hebrews, we're remembering that Jesus is the better of all things and that Jesus comes and brings the greatest rest. And so resurrection reminds us that Jesus just did the work on the cross that many of us spend many, many of our hours trying to do to bring satisfaction and fulfillment to our lives that only Christ can do. The work to try to get sin cleaned out of our lives that only Christ can do. And he says, rest. When we meet the resurrection, we meet rest as he has done that work. When we meet the resurrection, we meet victory. This might be the first one you think of. You think of resurrection, victory over sin and death. The thing we never could do and we try so, so hard to do and still try, Christ has done. In Romans 6, we hear, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death. He pulled us in with him into, the, into Good Friday. In that order, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. We meet resurrection. We meet Jesus. We meet victory over the thing we, we never, ever can figure out. Even though we, we create systems and ways to try to fight it, we create disciplines so that we would uh, limit some of that in our lives. And Christ says, no, I have victory over that and I have given you new life. You're a new person. In fact, Easter, you might have even noticed today, a lot of us look a little bit schnanzier than we normally look. You all look wonderful all the time. But today you look a little extra. I see more ties today than I've ever seen in this room, I think. Um, it's an old, old tradition. Way, way back, people started beginning to wear, uh, at one point, just white linens signifying new life on Easter, which turned into seasons where actually Constantine like ordered people to wear that. Uh, you could actually get like arrested at some point in some points of the world if you didn't wear, which maybe is not the, the heart of Easter. Um, there's traditions of wearing new clothes or nicer clothes, or even this time of year, you buy a new set of clothes and Easter is the first day you wear them. Originally, church, churches did that. Believers did that to say, I want to visibly show a very internal, a very real, real reality in my life that I've been changed. There's victory. It's been new. In fact, recently um, reading um, some uh, history in the black church, this is a really key thing. And, and many, many people mention this in the part of their story of growing up. As they're asked, what do you remember about Easter or holidays? Uh, and specifically, this is from a guy named Frank Ross. He says, uh, I remember that Easter day was the day that we got to change into our new clothes, that we bought new clothes and that was the day you finally got to wear them. So my old Sunday school clothes became old clothes. And now today uh, I wore these brand new, nice clothes. What, a, what an amazing image, right? Of Easter, you walk in to celebrate new life and you're wearing new clothes. I think that's incredible. Uh, another lady, Jewel Gibbs, says, uh, I, I loved Easter because that was the day all the ladies wore their nice, new, beautiful hats. We loved as kids to see all the new hats. 
It was the day as if we paraded through church showing off our finery. It makes me think of the moment in uh, the story with Lazarus too. He comes out of the grave and Jesus says, take off your graven clothes. Take off those deathly clothes. And we know that Christ even says he clothes us then in new things. And so when we meet the resurrection, we also meet victory, new life. And through that victory, when we meet the resurrection, we meet forgiveness. Today, we heard some of our uh, friends here share that today is a day to remember forgiveness. I think of this as someone who encountered Jesus in my own life. And I think of a person who encountered Jesus who dramatically felt this even before Easter. It was a little bit of a first Easter celebration before it happened. Jesus was put on a cross to be crucified and he wasn't there alone. Next to him were two criminals. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So one of the criminals says, come on, can't you save, save us? It's the same insults that they'd heard from religious leaders and many other people. Come on, Jesus, you say you can save yourself. But the other criminal rebuked him and says, don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for, and we are getting what our deeds deserve. We, we have done wrong. We're, we're sinners and we deserved this death on a cross, but this man has done nothing wrong. In that moment that that man proclaims uh, really a faith in Christ, he says, this is, this is the Christ. He's done nothing. He's an innocent man. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He not only professes Jesus is innocent, but he says, I believe you are king. You're the one who's going to bring in, usher in the kingdom. And then Jesus says to him, a man who deserves to die on a cross is a criminal Right? In that moment, what has he done? All he's done is profess that with his mouth and Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. That man met the resurrection. <laughs> he met Jesus and Jesus said, that's what I need. I need you to say yes to me when you encounter me and believe that I've done this work. And that day that criminal met him in paradise. I, that's an incredible story. Uh, just minutes after this, if he had not, if that had not happened, minutes after that, he would have found himself separated from God. And then instead, that moment, he found himself with God. It's amazing. John uh, Chrysostom um, says this, let no one mourn that he has fallen again and again. I feel like he's speaking to this guy on the cross. For forgiveness has risen from the grave. It's another name for our, our savior. The resurrection when we meet the resurrection, we meet forgiveness. No matter the depth of your sin, no matter how hidden that sin has been, no matter how much you hurt someone or you've hurt yourself, or no matter how deep that wound feels, there is forgiveness for that. And not because you're doing enough that Jesus says, okay, you've made up for that, but instead because you said, yes, Jesus, I believe you died and rose from the grave. When we meet the resurrection, we meet peace. If you remember the story of these ladies, an angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Do not be afraid. It's a very common phrase when people encounter God because it would be overwhelming and uh, there would be fear and, and there probably is some fear even just in I'm a sinner and what's gonna happen. And 
Think of all the emotions at that moment. They came to, to mourn their dead friend. He says, he's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He's risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb. I love this phrase. Afraid yet filled with joy. It's like, that's how I live my life. Fear, there's fear, but there's joy. Is he, did he really rise from the dead? But there's, I'm still anxious. I'm still nervous. There's still so much going on. There's so much I could be scared about around me. And then they ran uh, and they ran to tell the disciples. Then they meet the resurrection. He's there. In other gospels we hear, he's there like a gardener in this garden. He's like, it's like creation again. He's there. He says, greetings, they've come. And he tells them, do not be afraid. I think, what a moment. In a, in a life where I often feel very fearful, in a place, in a culture that sometimes uh, can use fear to motivate us, fear to control us, in a life where I myself just speak words to myself that bring more and more fear. I'm worried about this. Is this going to happen? In my own life, this was a, a huge part of my meeting with the resurrection with Jesus. I, it is part of my life to lay in bed for hours and worry about the next day and the next week. That was part of life for me. And, and, and fairly quickly after knowing Jesus, I would lay in bed and a friend had encouraged me, just tell him. You know he's got it. And, and, and much of that fear, that worry, seemed to melt away when I actually believed someone rose from the dead, conquered death. I think he can handle, Drew, the test that's coming up. I think he can handle the, the hurt that's happening in your family. He's got it. He loves you and your family is with you. And so meeting the resurrection meant meeting Peace. Also, if you notice in the last one, it talked a little bit about this joy word. When we meet the resurrection, we also meet joy in our lives. A passage that's dear to me and to our church here, a passage that we really started our church uh, inspired by this was a moment when a whole community encounters the resurrection. When Philip went to the city, a city in Samaria, and proclaimed the Messiah, he came and brought that good news of Christ who died and rose from the dead. The crowds heard Philip and they saw the signs he performed and they all paid close attention. Now, signs weren't that like Philip did cool science tricks, as cool as Aaron's trick was, right? He, signs were that Jesus, like the Holy Spirit was there and did things to show their, their presence, that God was there and with Philip and that this news, this good news was true, that resurrection was real. And what happens when that happens, when they encounter the Spirit, when they encounter the resurrection? Well, first, for his shrieks and impure, spirit, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Right? Victory comes. Joy comes. Peace comes. They begin to experience resurrection right there in that moment, knowing that one day they'll experience ultimate resurrection. And I just love it. So there was great joy in that city, a city that had to be cloaked and experiencing uh, an encounter not with resurrection, but with death and darkness in a city now that was encountering great joy because they had encountered the resurrection. When we meet the resurrection, our last one here has been a great encouragement to me as well. We meet our calling. 
Sometimes because my, my fear and my worry and my anxiety comes from a, a lack of like, wh- why am I here? <laughs> what is my purpose? And Jesus, right after he raises from the dead, gives this great uh, call to all of us. When we encounter Jesus, not only does he take uh, sin and death, does he not have victory and peace and joy? Does he not only give us a future? Do you not only meet love and care? Do you not meet compassion? Do you not meet power and strength? You meet your calling. He doesn't just say, I've rescued you now. Just stop sinning and hang out until I can make everything right. He says, I'm gonna call you to join me in this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to encounter him, the resurrection, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Some doubted. When Jesus came to them, he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm the one who died and rose from the dead. All, all power and authority is everywhere is mine. And now I send you. Therefore go, and as you go, I want you to make disciples. I want you to tell others this good news that they too would encounter the resurrection. All people and all nations, and I want them to be baptized, which is a symbol to say you're part of, part of my family, that you've died and rose. It's a physical way to actually show off that you have died and went in the grave and that you rose and resurrected with me. And do that in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Tell them what it looks like to live life, a healthy, right life, the life we created you to do that will bring life. And then he says something really important. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, hey, I brought all these things to you. And there's a lot of people who need to know this good news and that resurrection is here. A lot of people looking for rest and forgiveness and victory and peace and joy and love and a future and a family. And you get to come and say, there is one. It's not me, but I want you to meet the resurrection. I want you to meet this person. Fleming Rutledge has a fantastic book about the crucifixion, uh, and, and she shares this, this great call for us. The church is not called to be a change agent. We, we don't go and then go, hey, Jesus rose, that's really cool, and so that inspired us to go do things. She says, God is the great agent of change. The Lord of the cosmos has already wrought the great exchange on his cross and resurrection. This great exchange that we talk about is he exchanged, right? Our sin and, and death, and he gives us life and a future. So the great exchange on his cross and resurrection and the life of the people of God is sustained by that mighty enterprise. Day after day, the, the resurrector, the, the good God, Jesus, continues to be the agent of change. The calling of the church is to place itself where God is already at work. We get to join Jesus. We get to introduce people to our big brother who, cha- who has changed all of history. What a sweet calling that is. And you can do that anywhere, with anybody, at any time. Whatever your job is, whatever your your position is, whoever your friends are, wherever you're sitting or standing, whether you're in a town or in the countryside, whether it's nighttime or daytime, whether you're talking or you may be just listening, you get to introduce people to the resurrection. I want to introduce you to one more person who I think... uh, has met the resurrection. Someone who loves uh, Jesus dearly and someone who encourages me often in that. Uh, I'm gonna have Annie Young come up. Annie's someone who um, we've got to spend time in a small group with uh, and our families get to hang out. And Annie's someone who when you meet Annie, uh, you get that taste of, of hanging out with Jesus and she's 
certain to let you know why she is who she is. Um, it's not Annie always. It's, uh, she reminds us of how sweet Jesus is. So Annie's going to share a little bit of her own story of what it's been like to encounter Jesus. She's going to pray for us. You want this podium here? Oh, wait, I have a cool slide for you. Hold on, let me. Look, I see you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I had to write this down because I might get carried away and we might be here a lot longer. And I don't know if the little people would appreciate that. So bear with me as I read this. Um, there is not one bit of my story that is unmarked by the death and victorious resurrection of Jesus. Not a single season, not one valley, not one pain, not one fear, and not one joy. I do not always have eyes to see his living presence in the darkest moments or perfectly cling to the truth of his nearness, but because he lives, hope invades it all. I was 23 when my body began to show signs of an illness that would change my life. I was a brand new mom with dreams of all the things I was going to do. I was an athlete with unending, often overwhelming and annoying energy. I couldn't get enough of time with people. I served in as many areas as possible and dreamed of spending the rest of my life um, in the bush of Africa, making Jesus' name known and treasured. In the months that turned into the years that followed, as muscle quite literally was being eaten away, energy drained, and pain seemed to swallow me up, I kicked and screamed and cursed and pleaded with God to restore my health. I felt like I was losing everything that I was. One day I heard him whisper, my presence in the pain is a privilege. So I wrote down on a sticky note, Annie, his presence in your pain is your great privilege. And then I begged the Lord to help me believe it. Over the years came a lot of tests and procedures and medication, surgery, lots of diagnoses um, that are still coming, and a glimpse into the depths of God's gentle care and love for my family and I. I remember after one hopeful doctor's appointment, sitting on my bed and like, fear and tears, asking the Lord, if you heal me, are you going to stay this close? I'd take a lifetime in pain with him, holding me close and knowing him there, then strength and forgetting the giver of all of the things and return to relying on my own strength. That day marked me, and I built an Ebenezer of sorts to remember the great privilege I have of his tender presence in the deep waters of my pain because the gospel really does change everything. So, because he lives, the power of the gospel will never fall short. Because he lives, living hope is ours. Because he lives, I can send my baby girl back to the operating room knowing that he is with her and his plan is best. Because he lives, I fight sin knowing that it'll soon be crushed for good and I'll be made new, covered in the blood of the lamb who was slain because by his wounds I am healed. Because he lives, I get to see him make strangers family. Because he lives, my shattered dreams are remade into a mosaic that tells the story of his faithfulness, his power, his goodness. Because he lives, hope invades despair as I hold little ones who have experienced the unimaginable, knowing he heals and redeems. Because he lives, his spirit holds together a marriage that is flawed and weak. Because he lives, every day of pain holds the promise of eventual healing and being held forever by my creator. 
Because he lives, I am not alone. Jesus sits on his throne, interceding for me. Because he lives, shame and failure don't define me. He is making all things new. Because he lives, darkness that seems to relentlessly consume will not win. He will deliver us from darkness and into his presence where there's fullness of joy, light, and freedom. Because he lives, letting go of tiny hands, I long to hold and protect is releasing them to the one who holds them all and loves them more than I ever could. Because he lives, heaven is real. Jesus is on the throne, and he wins. Every sad thing will be made untrue. Oh, death, where is your sting? And because he lives, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As the old hymn says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth living just because he lives. And I pray for us before we worship. Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son. That separation that had never been done. Um, Jesus, we thank you for your forgiveness, your love, your care. For not giving up for not taking an easy road, for not saying that it's not worth it to be near your Father. Um, Jesus, thank you for continuing to pursue us, for holding us, for being so acquainted with everything that we ever will face so that we are not alone. Um, We praise you that you're alive, that you sit on the throne, and that you win Um, help us believe, help us cling to you. Um, And I just pray that you would invade all of our lives with the understanding and the reality of who you are in your power and your love and your care. Amen. Amen.